your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free, and make sure you never miss another beat. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. It's the fun, free, live, audio-only sports talk platform that lets you talk to me, fans, athletes, insiders, and so many more in real time. Check out and download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join a group. Follow me at HLLivingLoco to be notified when my room goes live. In just a little bit, you'll be able to join me live and chat with me during games or whenever on the Locker Room app. Speaking of live reactions and experiences, I thought I'd talk a little bit tonight about the uh, the Winnipeg Jets versus the Montreal Canadiens. This was a big game for Winnipeg because their last game they actually played okay hockey, but unfortunately they were very sloppy with the puck, they made some really bad turnovers, and honestly they didn't really get some of the shooting angles and opportunities that would be enough to test Price in the the way that you would usually expect. A lot of the down low chances Price was able to snuff out pretty quickly, and for whatever reason it just felt like the Jets really weren't getting into the best, most prime scoring areas where there were gaps in the coverage that the, the Jets you know, top shooters could really exploit, especially going towards empty areas of the net. Winnipeg certainly created a lot of high-danger scoring chances, but they were all directly in front of Price, and I feel like they were the kind of variety where you sort of shovel the puck at the net, especially up close with, like, you know, Appleton, Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, and that's sort of where you're getting a lot of your threat from. But you also need guys who can finish top corner, maybe look for some really good shooting angles that, you know, Price isn't really covering, and get some better shot elevation, which is something that the Jets definitely have the ability to do, but for some reason in the previous game could only accomplish it on the power play with Kyle Connor. The Jets certainly dominated a lot of, you know, the possession plays and some really good offensive zone sequences, but it felt like for some reason the Jets were just off a bit, and then they would make a really bad turnover, and it would be, you know, an easy Montreal goal. So I wasn't really sure what to expect this game. I felt like the Jets would be better, but of course I was kind of expecting that turnovers might still be a problem. And to, uh, you know, Winnipeg's credit, I would say that they, generally speaking, played a pretty good first period in this opening 20 minutes with pretty good offensive jump and, and slightly less egregious turnovers. I will say that the Jets probably got lucky on a couple of sequences. They had a a couple of really bad turnovers here and there inside their own zone, but I also thought that there were some just really bad defensive reads and some movements that I didn't fully understand. I saw guys overlapping for no reason, losing track of their markers, not really following their marks when, you know, assignments would start to change. It just seemed like Winnipeg's defensive structure was definitely getting tested because it's not terribly well organized, and I feel like the guys are often confused as to what they're supposed to be doing. Logan Stanley kind of had a couple of issues there because because he'd be marking one guy, and then it seemed like his assignment was supposed to change, and instead of locking back onto his original man, he would sort of drift around and not really know who he was supposed to be marking. One of those times was a pinch along the right side with somebody else. I don't know if it was like Tucker Pullman or something, but there were two defenders on the right wall, and the puck ended up being freed and and created a nice centering opportunity. It might have been passed out to Thomas Tatar, but the puck ended up just trailing ahead of him, and he actually stumbled and fell. If he'd managed to get the puck, it's probably a goal, because it was basically a clear breakaway, and there was no one near to disrupt that shot. 
Other than that, though, I will say that the Jets offensively were looking pretty sharp. They created some really good looks from down low, and there was a lot more movement in the right areas from some of the Jets' top forwards. It also seemed like Montreal was a lot sloppier with the puck this time. They committed some really bad turnovers. And in the first few minutes, Winnipeg actually took advantage of one of those. Derek Forbort had a nice zone keep along the left wall after pinching down a little bit more aggressively inside the zone, which is stuff we always love to see because, let's be honest, the Jets' defenders, they don't really defend all that well. Forbort gets down there, creates the pressure, the puck gets cycled around a little bit, and then Montreal tries to clear it, and I think the left winger or something was going to try and make some sort of a pass off the wall and into the neutral zone. Instead, he turns it over right to Blake Wheeler, and Blake walks it in and scores, which is always something nice to see. You know, Blake hasn't really been effective as an even-strength scorer this year. You know, he's, he's definitely more power play focused, and that's fine, but you're also paying him, like, what, eight and a half million or so? From your captain and somebody who is probably expected to be one of the top points producers on this team, especially at 5v5, it is important to see him scoring opportunities like that and getting more of an offensive rhythm. The line of Stastny, Shifley, and Wheeler has been pretty effective, but I feel like there's something off in terms of the finishing. Stastny's probably the guy who's been getting the most consistently great and most dangerous shots, but, you know, he's not like a natural finisher. And for some reason, you know, Shifley is deciding to shoot a lot less. He's become more of a pass-first kind of player, which I don't really know if I agree with 100%. Last year, he was more of a shooter, and he really wasn't doing a lot of the catalyst and distribution work, which, I again, I wasn't a huge fan of. But by the same token, he does need to shoot more this year. He very nearly had like a two-on-one or a three-on-one where he was sitting and waiting for the pass and sequence to develop, but to be honest, if I were him, I would have just taken the shot. He's got one of the best releases on the team. Instead, it ended up getting broken up by Montreal, and a clear goal-scoring opportunity ended up getting, you know, pushed away, which is very frustrating. I feel like Shifley is often finding himself on these odd-man situations, and his first inclination is to always pass, but unfortunately, he also overcooks those opportunities, so it's just like, if, if the pass isn't there and they're selling out, just take the shot. You know, if you, if it gets saved, it's fine. We get it. But I'd much rather have some kind of a decent scoring chance with a guy who's probably one of Winnipeg's top shooters than just not have any sort of scoring attempt at all. Aside from that, the uh, the rest of the period was pretty okay. The Jets did give up a couple of really high danger chances to Montreal, and I feel like Montreal might have been credited a little bit more over the Jets in this one. But thankfully, from a really good rush from the second line with Ehlers, Dubois, and Connor, Kyle Connor ended up pouncing on a rebound set up by Ehlers, and then a nice inside cut uh, Dubois screen of sorts where he sort of drove towards the net and sort of distracted Price, gave Connor an opportunity to pounce on a rebound and make it 2 nothing. Those are certainly the sorts of rushes that we want to see from this line because they've been quiet otherwise, but now the Jets are maybe starting to get a little bit more of an offensive scoring rhythm from these guys. Dubois gelling would be super important because thus far on that second line, he hasn't been quite the player that we were expecting. He's been a little bit limited and hopefully he'll start to figure things out and get a bit more comfortable on the second line duty. That about wrapped up the first period, though. We'll take a look at what happened in the subsequent periods in just a moment, but before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why you need to download the Locker Room app on your iOS phone right now. The Locker Room app is super easy to use, it's free, and it's the best way to talk to fans, content creators, athletes, and everyone in between. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news as it happens. It's the best free, audio-only, social media platform for sports fans the world over. It connects you to the heartbeat of the action, and soon enough you'll be able to join me in on conversations as we watch games, catch up on breakdowns, or open the floor for discussion. It'll also give you the chance to be featured on the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast and get your thoughts about the Jets on air. 
To get started, all you need to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join your desired group. Follow me on Twitter at HLivinLoco or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets to get notified when my room goes live. We'll be starting Locker Room sessions real soon, so keep your eye out and come prepared with your best spiciest takes and questions. I'll see you soon on the Locker Room app. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you probably know that we love Built Bar. We've been telling you about it for the longest time because it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, but best of all, they taste amazing, and they're always covered in 100% chocolate on all their bars. When it comes down to brass tacks, though, there can only be one best Built Bar flavor. Maybe you're a churro puff evangelist, or you feel like caramel brownie is the one for you. It's now time to have your voice heard on the Built Bar Madness Bracket Challenge. On today's matchup, which you can find at BuiltBar.com pages slash brackets, Vote between peanut butter and coconut puff to see which one will advance to the next round. I've personally got my money on coconut puff, but if you think peanut butter has a chance, make your vote count right now. We're getting into the quarterfinals, which means we are slowly running down to the championship round, so every vote is now a critical step in finding the best Built Bar flavor out there. Go cast your vote, and when you do, don't forget to place an order for Built Bars as well. And be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 50% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back at BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets every day to see which flavor won and vote for your next matchup. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping uh, Winnipeg versus Montreal, which is a rematch of uh, actually a pretty decent long-standing series throughout this season. The Jets have probably had the upper hand in most of these games, even if the record doesn't always look like it. But I will say that in tonight's game, the Jets had a pretty great first period, and then it came down to the second period. With a 2-0 lead firmly in hand, would the Jets maintain the lead and actually add to it, or would they start to slip? Before we get into what happened, I wanted to tell you about why Locked On Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And now some thoughts on the second period after the Jets had a nice 2-0 lead. I feel like the Jets kind of struggled a little bit here in this second frame. It wasn't immediately apparent that the Jets were ready to hit the ground running in the middle frame because Montreal came out of the gates looking pretty strong and I felt like they definitely had some of the earlier jump into the period. The Jets at times were looking a little slow-footed, not exactly like uh, some of their previous periods in other games where they were just bad, but you could tell that Montreal was pushing and looking for that deficit-cutting goal. And the Jets were occasionally struggling on some of these turnovers and maybe a few Montreal counters that caught them a little bit up the ice. Unfortunately, Montreal did catch the Jets a little bit off guard early into the period, about a minute and a half in, on a Philip Deneau goal. Logan Stanley was in the neutral zone and got victimized by a great pass from Brendan Gallagher after he was kind of leaving too much of a gap for Deneau to expose. And then Deneau went in on a two-on-one with, I don't recall who it was, it might have been Thomas Tatar, but it was basically an easy opportunity for him to score. You know, Stanley, unfortunately, still shows moments where he lacks a little bit of defensive awareness. We saw early in the first period where he had that one chance that was almost a breakaway goal, were it not for the puck getting away from the uh, the attacker. But I, I will say that for the most part, Stanley has been good throughout most of his game. It's just in these moments where you need a little bit more improvisation and to be honest foot speed where I think Stanley does struggle a bit. Thankfully for the Jets, you know, after the Habs had a good like five to ten minutes of of jump, it definitely started to seem like Montreal wasn't quite as good at getting down into the slot area. It felt like the Jets, for the most part, weren't really letting Montreal boss that area in front of Hellebuck, which is always good. You know, when Montreal gets in close, that's often when they can do some serious damage. They've got really talented shooters, especially from tight angles, and they've certainly got players who like to crash the net and can occasionally bully their way towards great scoring opportunities. The Jets sort of handled it for the most part, although I will say that at times, you could see the Jets' defensive structure wasn't great. 
there were some missed assignments, and like in the first period, the Jets were just a little bit loose on the back end, which is not super surprising. It's kind of been an issue for them throughout most of the season. As the period wore on, though, the Jets started to push back and had some really great scoring opportunities, especially in front of Price. One of the best ones came from Mason Appleton, who fed a beautiful pass between like two or three opposing skaters to Andrew Kopp, which forced a huge block from one of Montreal's defenders in front of Price. That was a great goal-scoring opportunity. I don't know if it actually would have gone if the block wasn't made, but for Appleton to hit the passing angle that he did, while being shadowed by an opposing skater is just really amazing, and I felt like he did it with, with limited vision and limited ability to actually know where the puck was going. He really had to trust his technique and teammates to handle it, and they all seemed to be on the same page. It was unfortunate that he didn't get a, a nice assist there, but overall, really impressive from Appleton. He had some really dangerous chances off the rush earlier. And I don't know, man, the more I watch him, the more I feel like there is untapped potential with him. I feel like he's one of those late-blooming players that I never really expected to be more than, like, a quality third or fourth liner, but... Mason legitimately has decent hands and really good offensive instincts. I feel like the way that he approaches the game marries a nice level of efficiency with genuine upside and skill. He has that extra layer of deftness that I was always missing with Cop. Like, I really enjoy Andrew Cop. I think he's a great player, but it's often true that he does have moments where a little bit of extra finesse and technical skill might make a difference for him. That said, Cop is still very good, and Appleton is just adding that extra layer of offense that I think makes him such a really nice threat off the rush and in really good scoring chances, especially around the net. I was also impressed with the second line, which actually scored another goal thanks to Kyle Connor off of a, a nice net front scramble. It felt like this line was starting to gel a lot more. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was more noticeable. He had the really good net front drive that ended up screening Price for Kyle Connor's first goal on the night. Ehlers was doing his thing, creating good shooting and passing angles, and then Kyle Connor was in the best position to take advantage of the chaos and feast on some rebounds. The same thing happened on the second goal, even more net front chaos with this line having a couple of really good opportunities. Pierre-Luc Dubois took a shot from the central slot, rebound came out to Kyle Connor. Connor simply did not miss, so overall I just really feel like this second line had a much stronger performance. Over the past few weeks I haven't been super impressed with this unit, but tonight I thought that they were much more effective, especially in the opening couple of periods. I think my long-term question is, can this unit keep it up and can they keep playing at this level? Because if they keep doing this kind of stuff, I think the Jets will be pretty happy. I certainly won't complain because that line was having a very solid night all around. With 40 minutes in the books, then it came down to the Jets with a 3-1 lead into the third period, and in just a moment, we'll take a look at whether or not the Jets actually held on and avoided any, you know, embarrassing moments, or if Montreal started to put the pressure on. Before then, though, you need to hear about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild west of online betting, it can be hard to find a reliable and safe name you can trust, so that's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. If you're not into sports, though, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Featuring real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine, whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show. BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need so you'll always make the most informed bets possible. Getting in on the action has never been easier, safer, and faster. Stop sitting on the sidelines and start today. Head on over to betonline.ag to register for your free account or register from your mobile device, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for the 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are wrapping up our thoughts on Montreal's game against the Winnipeg Jets, and wow, yeah, so the Jets uh, kind of fell apart in the third period. After two periods of even to strong play, 
the Jets just kind of sat back. And of course, when you're sitting back against Montreal, look, I get it. The Habs aren't really great. They've had a lot of upheaval, and that team has been through the ringer, frankly, you know, considering the coaching changes, some of the heartbreaks over the past couple of weeks in terms of last-second losses. And I get all that. But at the same time, when you're playing Montreal, you also can't afford to sit back when your defenders are having a really rough night. You know, Josh Morrissey, Logan Stanley, Derek Forbort, Neil Pionk, even Dylan DeMello, these guys were all having different issues throughout the evening, and I didn't really trust any of them to hold on to the lead, especially with the forwards not really being great either. The only line that felt like it had some level of consistency was the second line. The rest of the units all had like very mixed uh, deployments throughout most of the evening. And while a lot of the uh, units were very effective in the first and second periods, in the third period it just felt like the Jets forwards all basically got pasted, except for when Winnipeg's second line was able to make a nice counter. The Jets did have some really good rush chances and some really high danger chances that they created from those you know scoring opportunities, but aside from that it was basically all Montreal. And the later it got into the period, the worse things got, and I felt like the Jets were going to start conceding goals, and of course, that ended up happening. Towards the end of the game, the Jets started icing the puck a lot after they were starting to wear down, and you could tell that the Jets were slowing. They definitely weren't able to keep up as much, and I felt like Montreal was starting to dictate the pace a lot more. Off of one of the post-icing face-offs, you know, Neil Pionk was receiving a puck from Adam Lowry, and then Brendan Gallagher basically just came in and stripped him and scored on Hellebuck. I thought to myself, well, a one-goal lead doesn't really feel super secure, but maybe the Jets can hang on to it if Hellebuck is absolutely perfect, because, let's be honest, the Jets' defenders weren't going to be. With the goalie pulled, though, the Jets did kind of encounter exactly what I feared. You know, Winnipeg started to kind of lose traction and really not get a lot of their, you know, defensive coverages on track, and they just looked like they were starting to fall apart. And on a sequence that started below Winnipeg's goal line, it ended up being that a nice cross-crease pass was found between Josh Morrissey and Hellebuck, right to Tyler Toffoli on the short side, for what was basically a backdoor tap-in. And what's really frustrating is that the pass came directly across the slot, and like Josh Morrissey's just sort of flopping around, doesn't even seem to recognize that Toffoli is behind him, doesn't really have a chance to make an attempt on the play, and basically just sort of falls down in, in place and ends up letting, you know, Toffoli have an easy shot. Morrissey has just really struggled this year, and I feel like a lot of these defensive issues prove why he simply can't be trusted past, you know, third-pairing deployments. I think Josh does have some limited value as like a puck moving defender at times when he's actually not the one doing it. If he's more of like a supporting guy who can occasionally serve as an outlet, I guess that's fine. But like even then, man, like Josh just can't do a lot of the stuff that he was capable of just a few years ago. He seems incredibly slow and people have suggested that maybe he's injured. And if that's true, it does sort of remind me of a, a Borussia Dortmund defender who's a center back. So of course, different sport, different pitch. But I, I noticed that when this guy, Manuel Akanyi, had like a serious lower body injury that he wasn't really recovered from, one thing it did seem to impact was his decision making. You know, oftentimes it was delayed, his reads were slow, and I felt like it was because Akanyi didn't really have a great handle on how to adjust his body, which was ailing and not as fast, especially in like his hip movements where he was restricted. He just wasn't able to make his challenges and his runs and reads as effectively, and there was always like a delay on when he recognized threats. Or at least it seemed like there was because, you know, he couldn't get his body to move into position. I think with Morrissey, it's more than just an injury. I feel like, you know, mentally speaking, he just doesn't seem with it. Akanyi at least was looking for where the danger was, but, you know, Morrissey just doesn't seem aware at all. He's not even looking at guys like Toffoli, and he doesn't seem to recognize when that backdoor opportunity is wide open. I really don't know what's going on with him, but it's been a huge struggle, and it's really unfortunate to see. Aside from that, though, you know, the, the Habs did tie it, and the Jets went to overtime, so... At least the Jets got a point. 
And then, you know, Paul Maurice ended up putting out Ehlers, Dubois, and Connor, which is what he should have done against the Leafs in their last overtime game. He finally did this time, and it actually almost didn't go so great after Montreal had the early possession and then created a counter from the the line kind of staying out for a few seconds. There was a a great opportunity for the Habs because Ehlers and Connor weren't really in great positions. Ehlers didn't really track back at all, and Hellebuck had to make a fabulous save, a great save that ended up creating a springboard for Winnipeg to head up the other way. Ehlers, Connor, and Dubois were on the rush, and then Ehlers deposited at home and won. But frankly, he had to after he was super lazy on the back check and didn't really provide enough defensive support. So all in all, I feel like it was a, uh, at least it was nice to get both points, probably not deserve the Jets cut run over in the third period. But some days you just got to take it, I guess, and move on. And Winnipeg will play again tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers before playing the Oilers again on Saturday, so that ought to be interesting. And I believe the Oilers game on Saturday kickstarts a six-game streak of playing at like 9 p.m. Central and 10 p.m. Eastern my time. So it's going to be a little bit difficult to get some of these recordings out on the night of. With that said, that will do it for tonight's episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out Wednesdays on Locked on NHL. Every Wednesday on Locked on NHL, take a deep dive into the Western Conference with Sarah Avampato of Locked on Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked on Oilers. Whether it's a look at top-end contenders like Vegas and Colorado or breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked on NHL has you covered on Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked on NHL wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.